2: What is good, everybody? Welcome to another joint production. This is a gold standard Jack Hammer production on a Wednesday. Grant Cohn couldn't do it, so pinch hitting from the Santa Rosa, Santa Rosa Press Democrat,
3: Jack Hammer. What's up, Jack? Hey, Rob, good to have you. Thanks for uh, thanks for reaching out. Actually, I reached out to you, but you were looking for somebody, and, man, I've wanted to talk to you for a while, so I'm excited to do this.
2: Well, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I put out the bat signal that I needed somebody, and you hopped into the DMs. I really appreciate it. Um I think you're actually the perfect person to talk to on today's show uh, just because of what's been going on in training camp. And there's a lot of conflicting reports and 49er fans are very frustrated. So we're going to get into all of that. Before we do, I just want to remind everybody, please like and subscribe to both the YouTube channels because this is being streamed on the Gold Standard channel and inside the 49ers with Jack Hammer, Jack's YouTube channel. So please like and subscribe to both. And as always, rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. All right, Jack. I'm going to put this just as bluntly as I can. What the hell is going on with the 49ers quarterbacks at camp, and why can't we seem to settle on what is happening?
3: I don't I don't know, man. Uh, you know, I look at it, the way that I look at it is uh, Trey Lance has been really good for most of camp, other than a couple of days. Sam Darnold's been pretty good for most of camp, other than a couple of days and then you have Brock Purdy, who's coming off of uh, the UCL injury, and he's continued to improve day after day after day. Um, some of the conflicting reports, look, I, look, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to get into uh, what, what people are seeing uh, that, that might be different from what I am, but uh, I, I just don't, I don't understand some of the negativity around the Brock Purdy reporting, um, and I also don't, understand some of the negativity we've seen around Trey Lance as well when it comes to like the video that was going all over the internet yesterday, which was from May, which unfortunately was from me because I put it out back in May during, during OTAs and somebody took it off of my YouTube channel and decided to run with it. So it, it's wild.
2: That that is like the worst of it. That's the craziest thing. That literally people are just like Barstool. I think did it. Dove Climbing. People. We don't even know if Dove Kleiman is an actual human person <laughs> or what is happening with that situation. But there's definitely uh, I you know I do Twitter Spaces with fans, and there's a large chunk of Forty Nine er fans that are very frustrated because we just feel like we want to know what's happening. We want to know what is happening and who is doing what, and we feel like we can't trust some of the stuff that's coming out or we don't know what to trust because the reports are so different depending on where you get your information.
3: Yeah. You know, and I don't know if the reports overall are so different. I I mean, it just depends on who you're listening to. The numbers are going to be a little bit different. And that part of that is because it just depends on how the reporter is, is putting their numbers down. Like for example, you'll see some guys will have less, throws during the day because they're counting a play as a sack well i don't count that as a sack because the 49ers let the play go on because they want to see how it works out right Mm -hmm. the quarterbacks aren't actually getting sacked anyway so it's all a judgment And i don't want to get into the judgment i want to get into the actual what happened and so i will mark it down as a nice play for the defensive player and i'll talk about that in my report afterwards but i'm not going to take that off of a quarterback's throw percentage even if like yesterday for example there was a throw Uh, from Brock Purdy out to George Kittle, and it was a pass breakup. Uh, I marked it down as an incompletion. The referee threw a flag, so it was holding on the defender. Uh, So you could take that off if you wanted to, but I I didn't. I left it on because it was an incompletion. It was a a pass breakup by Lenore. Uh, Same thing the day before on a deep ball that he threw to uh, Brandon Ayuk where there was a pass interference that was called. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I left it as an incompletion because it was that was the result of the play. Now, at the same time, there was the penalty you would in a a game that wouldn't count. But this isn't a game. This is training camp. We want to see how well these guys are putting the ball on the receivers, how good of a job they're making when it comes to decisions and those types of things. And uh, I think that's where some of the conflicting reports is coming from. Um, You know, I I saw a report yesterday where somebody said that Brock Purdy was the worst quarterback on the field yesterday. I don't agree with that at all. I thought he was very good. Um, I don't know about very good, but he was good. Uh, even the day before when he threw the interception, I felt like he was good. And this goes back to looking at everything that goes into it, right? One, one of the biggest, like for me, one of the biggest uh, knocks on Brock Purdy's performance last year was how he kept stepping out of the box, back of the pocket and rolling to his left, right? Everybody yes. was talking about it. Even the even the Eagles reporters were talking about that uh, leading the NFC championship game. And that is something that yesterday or two days ago, we saw him step up into the pocket repeatedly to make throws. And whether even when he had pressure moving to the side, still sliding back into the pocket to throw the check down, all those kind of things. And so whatever his numbers were, those are, that's one, that's just the numbers that we see are a piece of it. That's a very small part of, and I'll tell you, I know for a fact that Kyle Shanahan does not give a rip about any of those numbers because that's not what he's paying attention to. And I think that's kind of what happens is people get tied up too much into the numbers. And I think that's like, for me, with my reporting, like my post-practice reports, I take it as hard as I can to make sure that I give the information of the plays. Um, The 49ers don't want us to give too much. So I can't get into like too much of the X's and O's, but I try to go through and explain what's happening on, on both. And I try to make sure that, you know, if it's a, if there's been a, a really good day, it's, it's going to show, but I'll also show some of the negativity like I did with Sam Darnold on, on a play that was a touchdown a couple of days ago. So it just depends on, on who you're reading and uh, how much depth you want to get into, I think.
2: And I think, too, for us, like we, we want information, right? But the only thing we can go on are the results. It's hard to really grade the process from our perspective as fans. So that's mm-hmm. why I think there is such a clamoring for those numbers that you talked about, and you kind of brought this up. How are the 49ers evaluating this? For example, on a play, let's say, where it might have been a sack or there was a penalty, do the 49ers say, okay, there was a sack, I don't care about the throw because it wouldn't have happened in a real game? Or do they say, okay, it would have been a sack, but hey, that was a really good throw. Like, How do you think they are grading this thing?
3: It all depends because, you know, was, it a, was the sack because the quarterback held onto the ball and didn't throw the ball into the window where he was supposed to go with it? Or was the sack because you know, player X along the offensive line just got beat right off the snap and the quarterback was going to get sacked anyway. Right. So I think that's part of it. And Kyle Shanahan has talked about this quite often during training camp practices over the last couple of years that I've been covering the team where he'll talk about, it's about the process of the play, knowing, seeing where the guy's going. Um, Even if it's an interception, sometimes if it's the right decision, it doesn't bother him. If, If that's where the ball's supposed to go, if it's an interception, well, it could be a good play on the defensive side or it could be a situation where maybe the quarterback just needs to get the ball out of his hand a little sooner, all those different types of things. So that's where coming, you know, like when we're, we're doing the best that we can to report it uh, with what we're seeing, but even, even, you know, myself or any of the guys stand on the sidings, we don't know exactly what the play call is. We don't know exactly where the ball is supposed to go on every play. There are certain times when you can tell, just because you've seen the foreigners run a certain play so many times over the last six years, but you know that whole thing. That's what makes it. That's what makes it tough, and that's why, like for example, back in twenty twenty one, when Trey Lance had a really good training camp. You know his numbers look good, right? He was like seventy three percent throughout that camp, or seventy two percent on whatever the numbers were, um, compared to like sixty five percent for for Garoppolo. And everybody's like, why isn't he starting? Look at the numbers. Well, part of it is because he's playing against the backups, and when he played with the starters, it wasn't quite as good. And, and there's all kinds of things that go into it that we're not privy to. And that's what's hard.
2: I. Like that, you mentioned Brock Purdy stepping up as opposed to spinning out because that was clearly uh, an issue for him. And uh, the other thing I've seen is Kyle Posey has said that he's seen Lance check out of some bad plays and Audible into some good plays. Like, to me, those are two things where the 49ers would see that and be like, yes, like that is a, a huge check mark in your favor. But that's not something necessarily that we can sort of ascertain or that we're able to really fully uh, quantify.
3: Yeah, absolutely. There was one yesterday with Lance where he got up to the line. You could, uh, he, he saw whatever it was. You could, I could hear him, you know, call the audible, making the, the, you know, pointing to his head, doing all that kind of stuff. And so that's really good. That's good processing, good ability to make that adjustment at the line of scrimmage. So that stuff's good. And then, you know, that just happened. It was in the completion of that play, but whatever. You know, the, the process, again, it's he's recognizing and, uh, and, and that's good. And that's the type of stuff you try to get into it as much as possible uh to to really explain the good things like for example another one with uh i know you just mentioned lance but one with purdy yesterday and we've talked about it with lance earlier on uh, in camp as well it's not you know it's the ability to get a line of scrimmage draw the defense off sides on a play like that's a part of playing quarterback and lance has been able to do that a couple of times purdy did it yesterday so there's all these little nuances that go into it that uh that really you, you've you got to really dig into in some of the reports. And I know Kyle does a really good job. I've seen a lot of people talk about his reports and I've read uh, through a couple of them myself and he does a really good job of detailing uh, practice as well.
2: Yeah, I a mean, uh, huge Kyle Posey fan. Would you say there's been a big difference in Purdy, Darnold and Lance? Has one really stood out above the all the others? Or they all kind of been pretty much the same.
3: I, I think they've all been relatively the same. You know, they're not, you look at the, the numbers like this last week, these last three days were, were really good. Trey Lance, I think, had three really good practices. And uh, there was a couple of things here and there. But for the most part, was really good. Same thing with Brock Purdy. He, he looked pretty good. It was better um, than, obviously, than the first couple of practices for him. And Sam Darnold, I think, ha- has looked really good in spots as well. Uh, and he's been playing a little bit more with the, the twos and threes than the starters. Uh, and so his ability, he, you know, like a couple of days ago, he got Ronnie Bell the ball for the first time in, training camp three times that Val hadn't even been targeted at all. So I think they're all doing a very good job. And then Brandon Allen to me is kind of the, the one that, that isn't consistent. He's, he's, he's either really good or really bad. There's not much in between with Brandon Allen.
2: I don't understand the brand. Like, what are we doing with Brandon Allen? Why is he here? Why does Kyle like him so much? Why is he giving him any reps At all. That doesn't make any sense to me. I I really do not understand the fascination with Brandon Allen.
3: The, the Allen thing's interesting. I, 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 I wonder that at times too. I've wondered that, especially early on when you saw the number of reps that he was getting at the same time, at the same time, part of it is because uh, when, when Brock Purdy isn't there, the other two are going to get their reps. You know, they're going to see more reps and that they, you look at the numbers overall and, and uh, Purdy is, Purdy is ahead of everybody else because he's running the ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance and Darnold both getting about the same amount, and then Allen is, is behind. And the only thing that I can think of is they're either going to keep four, no, not four on the active roster, but they're going to keep four on their t- within the organization, or there's going to be a move. And I know Mike Silver talked about that, you know, yes, a couple of days ago in an article. I don't know. That, that's something that popped into my head as soon as I saw the snap count was I wonder if there's something that's going on here with either Lance or Darnold where they're going to move off of one of these guys when one cut down day comes not that I would do it because I don't think that uh, I think your best three quarterbacks are the guys that should be on your roster if you especially if you can fit it under the salary cap I don't see why you would tr- move off of Trey Lance Specifically with the Mike Silver article. I haven't read it all, but I did get the gist of the fact that he did at one point because somebody posted that he had said that even if it comes down to just cutting him, just to cut bait with this guy, I don't buy that at all. I don't I don't think that the 49ers should just release or release him and keep Brandon Allen around if it, it, it that just that does from a football standpoint, <laughs> that makes no sense at all. And this isn't a shot at Mike Silver, it just doesn't make sense to to just release Trey Lance, and that doesn't match with the 49ers' M.O. has been. Look at what they did with Jimmy Garoppolo for two years.
2: Yeah, they, they kept C.J. Beathard around for way longer, than, and he certainly wasn't in the factor as a starting job. Uh, Benjamin Bear, YouTube channel member, says, Stats, you need to ask Jack specifically about Mike Silver and where he's getting his information. I'm not going to ask you to try and name Mike Silver's sources, <laughs> but I called it Lance's football obituary that Silver wrote. He crushed Trey Lance. And and in defending the column on Twitter, some of his responses were even more harsh. He said, basically, Lance is going into the season as QB3 at best. He, very definitive from Mike Silver, like as if the decision had already been made.
3: Yeah, I, I cannot at all speak to, to Mike Silver's you know uh, contacts or, or any of those kind of things because I don't know. I, what I'll say is that Mike Silver's been in this business for a long time and we're going on over 30 years and you don't do that without You know, getting uh, becoming one of those guys that people will talk to, getting contacts, uh, being able to talk to the coaches and the general managers and all those types of things. He does a great job of what he does, Um, whether you agree or disagree with what he's saying. uh, I don't I don't think it's just being made up. I think it's something that he's hearing, uh, even if it's go back to. Go back to the arm fatigue thing. He was right on the arm fatigue thing. He's been, he has been right on far more than he's been wrong. And the thing is that people get really upset about it because uh, if you're a Trey Lance fan, some, let's just get on it real. Like there's some people that are just really hardcore Trey Lance people. You're really going to get upset when Mike Silver talks negatively about that player. And, and he's done that a few times. And I think that's where he he draw, draws the ire of the uh, 49er fans. and some of them you, you did. I do that every show, once a show. Um, <laughs> I
2: agree with you. What I've told people is don't just discount what he's saying because you don't like the way he's saying it. And it's, Mike can come across as very, you know, he's got a particular style. He's very opinionated, and a lot of that rubs people the wrong way. But that's what I said. He was right about the arm fatigue story. He's not pulling this from nowhere. And so I something to keep an eye on. But I agree. I mean, even financially, for example, it doesn't make sense to cut Trey Lance because you take a cap. It It costs you money. So for you to do that, you would really have to be saying that we are so desperate to get this guy off our roster that we're willing to take the financial hit in order to do that. And I don't think that's where the 49ers are with him, even if they don't necessarily believe in him anymore as a franchise quarterback.
3: Yeah, I I agree. And the only way I think they move off of Trey Lance is if somebody comes and gives them an offer and. Silver has mentioned uh, in recent days that the 49ers' best offer around the trade the draft was a fifth rounder. I don't think the 49 are going to move off of Trey Lance for a fifth rounder. They're going to need more than that. If that's the best they're getting, they would keep him. Again, you have the cap space, make it work. You can trade him next offseason if that's what happens. But quite honestly, the way Trey Lance is playing right now, uh, the 49ers are in a way better spot to keep him because uh, this is the best we've seen Trey Lance look since he joined the 49ers. Really.
2: Oh, that's music to a lot of people's ears. And full disclosure, I'm a Lance guy. I've wanted Trey to start from the beginning. I've said that from the second he was drafted, I wanted him to start. Uh, I just like to be up front with all of that stuff. It doesn't mean that I hate Brock Purdy. It just means I would rather see Lance start. Um, I just, It's crazy to me that Trey went from, hey, we're giving you the keys in 2022. We're coming off an NFC Championship game. You're the guy, though, right? Jimmy's out. It's you. And then all of a sudden, next year... He's in a competition for the number two spot. Like it's fine if you want to say, well, Brock proved it on the field, but why isn't the default like, hey, this guy we thought was our franchise player is definitely the number two? I don't understand why he's suddenly in a competition for that number two spot.
3: Yeah, and and I can't speak to it, you know. Defense. Sometimes it's it's the things that we don't know, right? It, it, there's been rumors about Lance, and you know. People, A lot of people on, on Twitter talking about if I was Trey Lance, I'd want to, I'd be asking for a trade, right? I'd be wanting to get out of San Francisco. I, w- I know Lance has said he, he hasn't asked for a trade, but maybe there's something that's gone on behind closed doors that we don't, we're we not privy to. You know, 49ers got to do what's best for their, for their team. Letting Lance and Darnold compete, I think, is bringing out the best in, in everybody. Uh, and, and I'll say this, you know, Lance, I, I kind of pushed back after the first couple of days of, of Lance not getting very many reps. Uh, it was after days two and three saying, hey, mm-hmm. you just you get the opportunities. You got to make the most of them. Um, and, you know, he struggled with that then. But yesterday he only had six throws. And on those six throws, four of them were really good. And that's the kind of stuff that you want to see. The other thing, too, is if Trey Lance or Sam Darnold is going to be your backup quarterback, just another way to think about this really quick. You don't come off the bench ready to go. Like you've got to sit around for a while and all of a sudden you come off cold and you've got to perform at a high level. I don't know if that's some of the thought process behind what Kyle Shanahan's doing with how he's making them wait at times because he's done it with both Lance and Arnold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if, if, if it is, that would be a stroke of genius and something that I would say is, is a good job. I, you know, I haven't had a chance to, to ask him that question. I really wanted to do it yesterday or a couple days ago. I just didn't get around to it because of uh, the questions of, of, the, of have already kind of come up in terms of the, uh, the reps. But uh, something that the next time we get a chance to talk to him, I think I'm going to ask him about.
2: Oh, there are so many questions that I would wish I could ask (laughs) Kyle Shanahan. Oh, my goodness. Don't even get me started on
1: that. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect.
0: Define an opportunity.
1: Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now.
0: Identify a problem.
1: Creating an audio ad is time-consuming.
0: Offer a solution.
1: Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.
2: Brock has talked about the rust that he has to work out. And Grant Cohn has been very critical of Brock so far in camp. He's one of the people that has been. My question would be, everybody kind of says, okay, Brock's got to work out the rust. But at some point, when do we stop saying, oh, it's just rust and start getting concerned if there are reasons to be concerned?
3: I would say probably uh, next Thursday and Friday when the 49ers are out in Las Vegas against the Raiders. I think that's when we want to really see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, the I don't even, I know he's talked a little bit about rust. I'm talking about Brock Purdy. I didn't, I didn't see a whole lot of rust, at least in what we saw from him the last couple of days. It just remember he's going up against the number one defense in the league or one of the top defenses in the league. So these guys are really good. So you're going to, you're going to get plays made by guys like Dre Greenlaw. Fred Warner is going to make plays. And so, you you know, you're, it's, it's going to happen to you. Uh, it happened last year with Trey Lance. It's happening now with, with Brock Purdy. Um, I'll say this when it comes to the last couple of days with Brock Purdy running the 49 offense. They moved the ball better than they did at any point in training camp last year, the last couple of days. Because they they had a real hard time, especially early on in training camp last year, Anytime they did like the little move the ball things or the situational situation, actually converting on those situations, on to uh, what's today Wednesday on Monday's practice, they did a lot of that. And Brock Purdy and the Farmers offense got first downs every time when it came to the move of the ball. They moved the ball down until they got to a fourth and two situation, and that's where you had the ball get knocked out of his hand. So that's a bad play. But again, they were moving. Um, I feel like the former's offense is in a much better place than it was. And that's not just the ones, the twos are too with, with those guys. It's just that the offense is flowing. And I think the quarterback play with the 49ers, if you're a 49er fan, instead of arguing about the quarterbacks, I think you should be excited about the fact that you have quarterbacks that are moving this offense. uh, And and it just looks better right now. I
2: think that is good to hear. Uh, I, I think that sometimes we do get caught up in the Trey Brock thing. And it's like, we're all on the same team. And we should start looking at it that way. Uh, Shout out to, oh, I apologize if I can't say your name correctly. Josue. Jose. There you go. Thank you, Jack. Uh, Mike Silver only reports on the negative things on Trey Lance. He does seem to be more willing than most to say negative things about Trey Lance. Everyone remembers the article when Trey got hurt and Mike Silver had the quotes from inside the locker room. You know, we can't say it, but you can say it, that we're a better team now. Uh, so, yeah, Mike Silver and Trey Lance, let's just say there's a, there's a history there that we can get into. Um, but, oh, the sure. other question I want to ask Kyle Shanahan, mm-hmm.
3: is Brock going to play in the preseason? I think that we're going to see him, but I don't think we'll see him in Vegas. It doesn't make sense for him to go in that game. Just from the standpoint of, if you go back to, like, last year when the 49ers were getting ready to when they were out in, in Minnesota – uh, what Kyle Shanahan said at that point is Trey's not going to play in that game because he's going to get all of his work in the joint practices. And I get more <laughs> out of the joint practices in the preseason game. So I don't think we'll see him uh, play against the Raiders. Uh, I think we might see a little bit of him in weeks two and three of the preseason, maybe a cameo in week two, maybe a little bit more in week three, just to kind of get the the, the, the feel of the the speed of the game with the game clock and all those types of things. Uh, and, and also the other thing too, is, is Kyle Shanahan has said that, uh, the preseason games are very important for these guys. And I think he was really speaking about Trey Lance and Sam Darnold, because again, we've talked a lot about the lack of of reps for them. They're going to pick up reps when it comes to the preseason. They're going to, they're going to play more. that's where, you know, I think you see them each play for at least about a quarter and a half against the Raiders. um, And then Allen picks up the the last quarter or something like that. So I think we'll see Brock Purdy to answer a question, long-winded response here, but uh, that'll come more in week two and three.
2: I think I would play Trey and I would play Sam. Each gets a half. Sorry, Brandon Allen. I don't care about you. Let (laughs) these guys play. Trey, that's the one thing he needs. I keep saying this with Trey Lance. It's like he was stuck on a desert island with no water. And then you rescue him and you say, yeah, we'll give you a drink in like two weeks. Like, no, that's what he's dying of thirst. He needs the reps. So I'm fascinated to see how Kyle handles all of that. And I do agree. I think those joint practices with the Raiders are really going to be, that's kind of like the first fork in the road turning point. I feel like when it comes to all this quarterback thing, Kyle loves to do crazy stuff in the joint practices. You're playing against somebody else's defense. I think it's going to be big for Brock and for Trey in those joint practices.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be big for all, for, for all three of them, Sam Darnold as well. I I, I feel like, everything is, I mentioned this before, uh, like last, last week, I feel like everything, when it comes to training camp is building up till that point, that's going to be, that's going to be that first inflection point for the 49ers, uh, especially at the quarterback position with the direction that they're going to go.
2: I'm fascinated to see what the Raiders players say coming off of that. Cause that was my big thing when they did it with the chargers a couple years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo and the chargers players were making fun of Jimmy Garoppolo in the joint practices. I want to see what they say about Trey Lance, right? Because we all think that that there's a bias when with the 49ers, right? No 49ers are going to rip Trey Lance. Some have praised him, but we all feel like everybody's got an agenda there. But with the Raiders, like they don't care, right? So if they're sitting there saying, hey, Trey Lance looks really, really good, or we were really impressed with him, that carries more weight with me because the, there's no benefit to them to lie about how good Trey Lance is. So I'm interested
3: to see what they say coming out of those practices. Yeah, that'll be another another piece. Of it. That that whole thing's going to be fascinating. You've got the the what, what the what the Raiders players are going to say about the Friars quarterbacks, and then we get to hear what the Friars players have to say about the Raiders quarterback because no longer are they on the same <laughs> team. The whole thing's fascinating. I can't wait to get out to Vegas. I'm really looking forward to those two practices because I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be great theater. Uh, just be for 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 two practices during uh-huh. uh, uh, August 9th and 10th. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: As soon as I saw the Garoppolo pass his physical, I was like, oh, this is going to be great because <laughs> they're going to talk. Tra- oh, it's like that is it's almost more exciting than a preseason game. It's
3: like right up there. It's like an extra preseason game absolutely for two days it's going to be it's going to be i, I think uh you know i think the raiders are a team that's trying to ascend so i think you know that's a situation where i think they're going to want to try to make their make their name for themselves a little bit against the 49ers if you're a if you're a raider and you can get out there and, and stick it to the 49ers that, that really helps you out and um you know i want to forget about the quarterbacks for a second max crosby up against you know uh colton mckivitts that's a that's a matchup that a lot of people should be paying attention to because that's one of the big key and pe- we're talking quarterbacks mostly, but that's a huge piece of the 49ers discussion is Mike McLinch, He's not there is Colton McKibbin going to be able to hold up. I think that'll be our first real sign. Cause without, without Nick Bosa right now, uh, Colton McKibbin is doing a good job against everybody that he's facing. But Max Crosby, I think is a little bit different level than what the farmers have in their camp right now.
2: And I saw a report yesterday that Crosby and Jimmy G got into it a little bit at Raiders practice uh, and Crosby eventually had to run some laps. We can get back to the quarterback stuff in a minute, but let's get to some of that non-quarterback stuff because I've been hearing pretty positive things about Colton McKivitz for the most part coming out of camp. And I I feel like what people don't necessarily realize is like, yeah, it'd be great if he was an all-pro, but he doesn't have to be an all-pro. He just has to be a pro. Just be good enough. And if he's an average tackle, the 49ers will be okay.
3: Uh, Yeah, I agree with that 100%. You know, you look at... The, you look at the rest of the offensive line, right? Trent Williams, the best in the best in the league. And then you got Banks, Brendel, and Burford in the middle who all were one year first year starters last year. So they're not the question marks that they were last year. I think they're gonna look better. And then when you get the McKivitts, he looks like a different guy in, in terms of he, he seems to understand it. Looks like he knows that he's the starter. It looks like he's carrying himself with some confidence. And you you watch him. I spend a lot of time when I watch the offensive linemen. I, I watch what they're doing with their feet and their hands. Uh, you can see that whether they have pads on or not. And his feet footwork just seems to be really good. And just kind of, you know, the little things that you hear from the coaching staff while they're yelling at them during practice, it, it seems like he's getting more praise than uh, than Knox, and they're really coaching him up. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. He's, he's uh, the farmers have been able to win games with him in the past. I think about the fact that they, you know, and then even with McGivis, he just got to be better than Mike McGlinchey and Tom Compton for this four years, offensive line to be better than it's been the last couple of years. That's that's the that's the line that we're drawing right here. And I think McKivitz can be just as good uh, as McGlinchey, at least.
2: I think that or what I've said is, I think McKivitz has a higher floor and a lower ceiling. He's not going to be able to make some of the great run blocks, I think, that McGlinchey made, because I think that he was underappreciated in that area. But mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to have the reps where he just gets absolutely molly whipped like, like McGlinchey used to have. I will never forget the image of him Parallel to the ground against the Dallas Cowboys against Micah Parsons. I don't think he's going to have those kind of blow up plays like McGlinchey used to have
3: yeah, when he gets beat bad, it's not going to look like that it's not it's not gonna look like you're not gonna see him flying through the air or, you know <laughs> falling falling flat on his back and those kind of things like we've saw, seen from from McGlinche a couple of times he's he's going if he's losing it's because of the other guy's just too quick for him he's not able to get out there with his feet. but that's what I'm saying I think he, I think he's looked pretty good so far and I, I really look forward to seeing him against Crosby. They got to get Nick Bosa in camp because I gotta see him go up against Nick Bosa too. I think that would be a lot of fun too. Uh, give us a better look because those are those are top level defensive ends that they're gonna face this year. All right, well, you, you steered us
2: right into it, so that's where we're going. John Lynch gave the update earlier this week. I thought it was a bizarre update because he said we had to strike the right mix of patience and urgency. Those two things are complete opposites, so I'm not really sure how you mix them. But okay, I'm not at the point where I'm worried yet but I'm at the point where I'm close to worrying with Nick Bosa because I don't think he can just roll out of bed and go week one. He needs at least a week or so to get into shape.
3: I, I think that you, you'd you'd like that, right? I think a week or two gets is the best case scenario, but uh Defensive ends are different. I also remember seeing Charles Haley come off the street back in like 1995. <laughs> I think it was. He hadn't played all season. He gets thrown into a into a game for the 49ers. I think it was actually 98. 49ers against the, the Green Bay Packers in the wild card game. He hadn't played all season. 49 signed him like three days before the game, and he's on the field getting in uh, getting in Brett Farr's face and, and making plays <laughs> in that game. So that's, that's the kind of thing as a defensive end. It's kind of like get in there, go get that guy, you know, and, and you've been around enough to you know what the calls are and that kind of stuff. But yeah, they do need to get him in as soon as possible. And I think the biggest thing to look at here um is that Nick Bosa, the 49ers need Nick Bosa way more than Nick Bosa needs the 49ers. He's got plenty of money, he's got a nice life right now. If the foreigners aren't gonna get him give him what he wants, he can just keep sitting on his boat in Florida and working out. Do you what I have said with Bosa is like I don't think it's ever going to get contentious.
2: Like Kittle was upset about how the negotiations were going. Trent Williams famously had to call Kyle Shanahan and say like, Hey, get this done to me. Bosa strikes me as a guy who's he's, he's detached from that. Like he recognizes the business side of it. He saw what his brother had to go through. Obviously his father played in the league to me. I just think Bosa is going to be like, Hey, negotiate, do your thing. Tell me when it's done and I'll show up. Do you think that's
3: accurate? Um, I think that's what we're going to hear, but there might've been, you know, there might be some, some frustration from his side, but here's the thing. We're not hearing about it. It's, he's not an, he's not an active guy on social media or any of that kind of stuff. So this is different than, than uh, you know, last year with Diego Samuel, it's a big difference from that kind of thing. So he could be upset. He could be frustrated with the process that it's taking so long, but we're not going to hear that. And, and when he comes in, he's not going to mention it. He's just going to come in. He's going to be, yeah, Kyle, got it done. Here we go. Uh, what's next. You know, he's, he doesn't really talk a whole lot. He's, he's very, very quiet very quick in what he has to say. And, um, I, you know, they just need to get it done. That's, that's the thing. And I, I think he realizes how important he is. And he's like, Hey, you, I'm the best player on your defense. You're going to pay me. Right. And like, this shouldn't be that hard, right? We know the the basic parameters
2: of the deal, you got Aaron Donald, TJ Watt. That's sort of the ballpark that we're talking about. He's going to be the highest paid defensive player of all time. Like this should not be that difficult cross the T's, dot the i's, hash out, you know, the guaranteed money and when that gets paid out, and let's go here. John Lynch said he's been budgeted for this thing for 2 years. So when you when you've got the money for the thing you've been saving up for, you go buy it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The only, the only thing is like right now what are they like $9 million something like that over underneath the salary cap. So the only the only question I think is Uh, you know, how much are you giving them in the guarantees? Cause that's really what you're going to be giving them this year. You know, if you give them, if you give them a $40 million signing bonus over a five-year deal, that's $8 million a year. Plus you've got to give them his, the minimum, the vet minimum. Right. So I think that's the only sticking point is how are they going to make the guarantees? How are they going to make that, that stuff work out so that Mm -hmm. it's it protects him. I think that's where we're, we're really where the sticking point is not how much money he's going to get. I think they overall, they kind of understand that it's just, how are we going to, how are we going to budget that out? How are we going to um, give you what you want and make it fit within where we can go? I hope it gets done soon.
2: Just let's get it done. And let me see that defensive line when it's up and running. Cause I don't want this team to have to take three weeks to get up and running and get up to speed. Like we've seen, you know, in previous two years, it's taken almost half a season for them to really hit their stride. Let's go out of the gate. Give me Javon Hargrave and Bosa and hopefully, you know, Drake Jackson 2.0 on the defensive line and Eric Armstead feel free to get, I don't know, ASAC
3: during the regular season would kind of be nice. Can we see that please right out of the gate? That would be nice. You know, that, uh Jayvon Hargrave, and he's been right now he's been dominant in camp so far. he's he's almost unblockable when he really gets going. Uh, Eric Armstead's made a couple of nice plays in camp as well. Uh, the defensive end that's really stood out to me is Alex Barrett, who nobody really pays attention to because he's been around the practice squad. but he's been so explosive and he's he has been, I think the most trouble for the uh, for the 49ers tackles to throughout camp, uh, especially the last few days. Uh, so that's a that's a good development. Drake Jackson is a he's an interesting guy because I think he's gonna do well um in certain areas but he's not going to be the I don't think he's going to be the pass rush guy everybody is looking for um Ooh. he's more he's more of a he's more of a cleanup guy if that makes sense where you've got pressure from the other three and then he comes in and cleans it up that's kind of what I see more of a, a Drake Jackson as uh, it'll help out with having the, the, the guys you have inside uh, but I, I just don't see him being a guy that's going to blow around the edge and get sacks like Nick Bosa does or that type of thing
2: that's interesting. You're the first person I feel like that's really said that. I feel like, especially Forty er fans, are really hoping like, hey, he's going to make a huge jump now. He's he knows his role. He worked on his body. He looks really great. I think they were kind of hoping he would be sort of like a D four type of pass rusher. You're saying that basically he's more kind of right place, right time effort type of guy.
3: Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a good way of putting it. I like I like that way better. Yeah, more of a right place, right time effort. Um, he he's got the quickness and stuff like that, but it, it just it doesn't seem like he really has a lot of other moves. And I think that's what kind of, you can only go around the edge so many times before the, mm-hmm. for the tackle is going to get out to you. Um, so he looks really good. He looks like he's in really good shape. I think he's going to be a, a nice player for the players. I think you're going to see, him had three sacks last year. I think he's a guy who's probably going to get up around six sacks or plus, which is good. Um, I just, I just don't see him being a, a sack machine. Like I think 400 fans want, he's, he's not D Ford. That's one thing he's not D Ford in terms of that explosiveness off the edge. Uh, but I think he's a, maybe a little bit better down-in and down-out player than a D4, if that makes sense.
2: Jack Hammer, on the hopes and dreams of 49ers <laughs> fans everywhere before the season even starts. Um, you mentioned the defensive line. You've been in practice multiple days. What is the ratio of swear words to non-swear words for Chris Kocerec? <laughs> I, I
3: could I could stand and watch Chris Kosaric coach all day long. I I, I like that is my favorite in in all of practice is to stand there and watch that guy coach because man he is a you talk about coaches like football coaches he he is everything that he is the prototypical 40 you know football coach if you watch those movies and you see the guy he's just yelling and screaming and getting after it that's that's chris cross eric from the moment that practice starts till the time practice ends uh it's all go and i would say it's probably uh one square word out of every four uh but you know it's, it's 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 man, he gets the most out of those guys. It is, it's impressive. And it's a lot of fun to watch.
2: How the hell did Cleland Farrell touch Brock Purdy's arm? Like,
3: what are you doing, dude? We don't need any help with quarterback injuries. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, I didn't see it too much. I knew that he knocked the ball out. I couldn't tell if he hit the ball or his arm, whatever. But, uh, but Kyle Shanahan was very, uh, demonstrative as as soon as that play went, went down and he was, he was, uh, you, you know, we've seen the, the, the people like point to, to to mad uh, Kyle on the sidelines during like from the game film and stuff like that. That was, that was about as uh, animated as you're going to see Kyle Shanahan during the, during the practice. He was, he was quite uh, unhappy with him at that point.
2: Oh man. I I saw that. And I was like, good Lord. Although I did hear Brock on KMBR afterwards and I kind of liked his response. He was like, ah, yeah, whatever, you know, it happens. Like I'm going to have to get used to that during the actual games. Cause I've kind of talked about that in the preseason. Like that's a, That's a real thing that he's going to have to think about is guys around him. And, oh, my God, I want to protect my arm. He knows what rehab was like. He knows how hard that was. He just said on KMBR he was grateful for the day he could touch his shoulder. Like, you don't, nobody (laughs) wants to go back to that. So he's going to have to get over that mentally. But it sounds like for him it wasn't even a a thing that he thought about.
3: Yeah, that's been one of my things was, you know, uh, if he's the same guy, right? And when I say the same guy, the guy that's – we, we've seen now that he's the same guy in terms of making all the throws we've we, he's that's not a question mark. And I think it was a big question mark uh, when he came out to practice the first day was what does this arm look like? And uh, the arm doesn't look any different than last year. There was a couple of balls that he threw down the field farther than we've seen him throw ever before in a four uniform. And for me, it's like, okay, from that point now, the mental part, can you stand in the, can you stand in the pocket? Can you deliver in the pocket in the face of that pressure like you did last year? Um, and Uh, For the most part, I think he's done a a decent job. There's been a couple of times where he's made a couple of throws and it's like, where where are you going with the ball? Like you're throwing to the right spot, but, but why it's just, that's way off. That's, that's not where it should be at all. Um, But I think for the most part, it's, it's, he's done a good job. That's where like that, that uh, stepping up thing, I think is a big deal for him.
2: But I feel like, see, like when, when that happens with Brock, those wonky throws, people are like, Oh, rust, it's okay. It's all right. He'll be fine. He'll get better. But when it happens with Trey, we all clutch our pearls. Another short
3: miss for Trey. Lance,
2: it's plaguing him. He must be more consistent.
3: I, I think I think it depends on on like if it's happening over and over again, right? So so, like for example, last year in training camp with Lance, he struggled a lot. It wasn't just once or twice, you know, it wasn't We've, there's been like maybe two or three times of the four practices with with Purdy where he's had those types of plays. Whereas with Lance last year, it was happening multiple times. Whether it was an underneath throw or just a bad throw on a deep out route, those types of things. It's kind of like what you know. That's just what's happening. Um, and and to his credit, I, I mentioned this yesterday in my article. I mentioned it after after on my my post uh, practice show. That's one of the things. Like when it comes to Trey Lance, man, he look, he, again he looks different. His his mechanics are better. The ball's coming out of his hands better. Last year, he struggled like crazy on those deep out routes. He threw a couple of them on uh, Monday's practice right in front of me. I mean, he that ball was coming out early. It was coming out on time. It was coming out right where it was supposed to go. Nice touch on the ball. It doesn't get any prettier than the way that those balls look. He had one yesterday to Brandon Ayuk uh that was put in the only place that iu could get it, it was a little high but that's where it had to be because the defenders right on him. and it was just a really it was that thing was a rocket that one wasn't uh, that one wasn't a touch pass he knew he had to fire it in there and he got it in there so he there's definite improvement with where he is right now and i think that's a really nice thing to be looking at uh will he start i you no know, not unless brock Purdy gets injured but uh the, pro- the progression i think we've seen with him uh definitely on the right track
2: I saw a comment here. Let's see if I can throw it up on the screen. Apparently, Adam Schefter was on with Pat McAfee. Thanks, Dr. for the heads up. Schefter says he called people inside the 49ers. They're extremely happy with Brock and feel he's had an amazing camp so far. They are super happy with Trey's development.
3: I would agree. You would agree. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I would agree with this. I think think that they should be super happy with Trey's development. He looks really good. The Brock Purdy stuff, how many shows did we hear – people doing on youtube or how many times did we hear over the offseason people saying that brock purdy isn't going to be ready in time for the regular season they should just let trey lance play the first we had multiple shows about just you know they forget brock purdy trade the first four weeks or Trey because brock's not going to be ready well here we are and we're debating brock purdy's performance and it's august 2nd so that's the thing right and and so for for brock purdy to be where he is right now yeah it's amazing from that standpoint but then you look, you know, but from a performance standpoint, I would say it's more good. But when you when you put everything into where he is, it's an, it's been amazing. And yeah, I if I was the 49ers, if I was Kyle Shanahan, I would be really happy with where Trey is because, like I said a little bit ago, he this is the best I've seen him look uh, with the 49ers. His, his first year, he did really good. Uh, in terms of his completion percentage he looks better though the ball's just coming out so much better and then on top of that he has performed at a, at a high level uh, when he's played with the starters as well which was a struggle last year
2: they have gotten incredibly lucky with brock and his rehab i've talked about it multiple times the surgery is younger than venmo like that's how new this surgery was it didn't exist and he has had no setbacks For a team that seems like they almost always have setbacks with guys with injuries, it's been incredible that he has avoided all of that stuff. And even Trey Lance, you know, he said, I thought I'd have more setbacks, which was a stunning comment to me that he said that in the press conference. It was like the last answer of the press conference, though, so we didn't get like any follow-ups. But just him saying, I didn't think I'd feel this good. I thought I'd have some setbacks both of those guys considering what could have happened are in a very good place medically.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, for me, I kept, I was wrong because I kept saying that I felt like pretty was going to be back around August 10th, August 14th. So I was wrong there. He beat even my expectations on it. Um, I just think that there was so much discussion around so much of, you know, what the doctors are talking about. It's, it's not normal for football players to have this injury. It's more of a baseball thing and baseball players. It's, it's a different recovery process because throwing a baseball is different than a football. Um, so I thought we were going to see him early. I didn't expect to see him day two of training camp at all. Um, so, you know, there's been a lot of discussion. If I don't know if you, if this was a topic you want to talk about, but I would, that's, that's if we can, cause you do a great job, Rob, I'll say this, you drive me crazy sometimes on Twitter because of the <laughs> questions you ask. You're great asking questions. Like you're great with evoking emotions, right? Um, so, like, you, you had mentioned, like, the, the way that Brock's been covered versus the way that Trey's been covered because they mm-hmm. both dealt with injuries. If we have a moment, is that something we can get into? Oh, yeah, no.
2: Please, if you have any issue with anything I've said, I love bring it up. Like, if I can't defend it, then that's on me. So, go ahead.
3: Yeah. No, I don't have an issue with it. I, 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 don't, I don't have an issue with it, but I think this is it's an interesting topic because a lot of people have been mentioning this. I've seen this pop up a lot from a lot of different people on Twitter. And I think it's – there's a couple of reasons I think it's different. One, before, Brock, before Trey Lance stepped onto the field for the beginning of OTAs, we'd already seen him throwing the ball. We already knew that he could throw. We already had his quarterback coach telling us how good he was going to look, right? With, with Brock Purdy, we hadn't seen him throw a pass at all since the NFC Championship game. We hadn't heard anything really from Brock in terms of where he was with his rehab. We hadn't heard from his quarterback coaches that he's worked with where he was. We had no idea until day one. Um, so from that standpoint, I think that's some of the, the differences. Um, and then also I know, like for me, with my stuff, I, I don't watch, I can't read everybody's stuff, so I can't speak for everybody. Like, But for, for me, the day one of OTAs with Trey Lance was all about watching him throw. I was excited to finally get out the practice, see this guy throw, heard about how he looks, I want to see all that stuff, and, uh, and it fit. And then it was kind of the same thing with, with Brock Purdy. And then you kind of just, there's just the, I think the social media thing, when it comes to these quarterbacks with the 49ers, I think that's what drives and it separates us. And we don't really, I think a lot of us are on the same page with where we want to, what we're talking about, but just because everybody has to pick a side, it seems like uh, I think that's really changing the discussion.
2: And it, you could be
3: right about that.
2: When I tweeted that tweet, I know the I think I know the one you're talking about because I use the word rust multiple times. My, I was just thinking that it felt like to me it, and it, look, you're there. So, you know, you obviously see it more than I do, but it felt like to me that all of Brock's sort of bad throws or bad plays were just chalked up to rust and none and all of Trey's were because of like character deficiencies, right. Or, or deficiencies <laughs> as a football player. Sure. And I was like, Hey, this guy's coming off an injury too. And he he's literally has not played. I mean, he still hasn't started and finished two straight games since 2019. And so yeah. I,
3: that's where I was coming from with that tweet. No, and I hear it. And that's I, the, the whole tr- the whole rust thing. I, I don't really buy into it as, as, you know, maybe day one. It was, you know, one, two, those first couple of days, maybe a little bit of rust just because th- those were the first days of camp for him um, after not really throwing the ball very long, what have you. Um, but that's gone. We can't be – we're not talking – we shouldn't be talking about rust from – on uh, the practice yesterday and the practice on Tuesday it it needs to be gone that it's how is he performing and and again it's not just the completion percentage we're going to get all tied up in that but if you have somebody that can and whether it's myself or Kyle or whoever it is you want to read find somebody that's giving you details of what these guys are doing and not just giving you the numbers and not just giving you a play or two about what's happening during the day the more information you can get the better you're going to understand what's happening and I think you know, I, I haven't, I don't think I've mentioned rust in any of my stuff. Um, you know, I, I, did give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, uh, after the first day, just because it was all about how does he throw? What does it look like? Those kind of things. But beyond that, like, that was the story of that day. Just like the story of day one for Lance was, um, how does, how does his throwing motion look and things like that? So it's a balancing act, man. It, it really is because you want it. You want to make sure that you're, you're being fair to the player. Uh, but you're also wanting to make sure that you're, you're giving a little bit of critical analysis of what they're doing. And uh, you can be, you can say, you can say six good things about a player and the, the two bad things that you say uh, are, are what everybody blows up about. It's, it's, it's wild.
2: Yes, I agree. And I'm on board with you, by the way. Good. Let's throw rust out. Rust, all the rust has been worked out. Now it's just a matter of what they're actually doing I do also think for Brock, it's going to be a little different this year. You know, last year, the season was circling the drain when he came in and he sort of rescued the team because we all thought there goes a Super Bowl year. Potentially, we're on our third string quarterback. He's a rookie. And all of a sudden he comes in and it's like, whoa, we're still in this thing. We can do it. And so any mistakes or anything that he did was kind of like, hey, you know, what can what else can you expect from this guy in this spot? But this year, that's not the case. This year, you are the presumed starting quarterback for a team with Super Bowl or bust expectations, and so I think the evaluation of Brock Purdy is going to be a little different. I don't think he's going to have that sort of honeymoon grace period that he had last year.
3: You know, and and that's a, that's an interesting comment because you know this is the guy. We we so many times when you look at it, it's like yeah, but he was the he was the last guy in the draft and all those kind of things. And and I, I do get caught into that sometimes, but at the same time. Um, I also try to look at it as he's just a NFL quarterback. I don't care if he was taken in the last round or not. He's, you know, he's an NFL quarterback. He should be looked at that way. So when we look at Brock Purdy, I'm not going to look at him differently this year. And the reason I say that is because I don't feel like I was that much with him last year. I feel like if Brock Purdy goes out and he does exactly what he did last season, he's going to be in the Pro Bowl. He's going to put up the best numbers that the 49ers have seen. Uh, since Jeff Garcia in terms of, you know, 4,000 yards and all that kind of stuff. If he can, and so, and, and I know, and people are nitpicking him and that's fine. Nitpick it. That's, that's what happens. That's what Kyle Shanahan's going to do. So I don't really argue with it too much. Uh, but this is a guy who there's, there's been, I think some of the narratives around his game um, have been overblown. Um, you know, we talked a lot. We've had people talk a lot about turnover worthy plays and, and it was something that they, they hammered Jimmy Garoppolo for. Right. And then they they kind of are doing the same. They don't really like it when it comes to Brock Purdy, though, because the numbers that PFF is putting out don't really they're like ah, PFF doesn't know what they're talking about all of a sudden because they don't like the data. Right. And you look at it with with Trey Lance, it's a small sample size, but I don't like that either. So it's it's you know, we all kind of pick and choose. And uh, sometimes it's 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 that the the narratives around players, depending on who you're listening to, really depend on uh, lots of different things you're muted. That's that's come on, man. That is twice. You said you do it once. That's twice. That's a demerit for you.
2: Sam Darnold's going to be hosting next show. Um, (laughs) We have a hard time with just moderation right now. Right. Like, for example, I think it's safe to say Brock Purdy got a little bit lucky with some of his throws last year that should have been interceptions. Some of them. It wasn't every other throw, though. Like, I feel like we don't it's either one or the other it's either he didn't get lucky at all or he was incredibly lucky and he should have had 12 picks he probably should have had two three maybe four interceptions that weren't weren't caught okay like that's you know I think that's fair to say and that's what I expect this year with him I don't think he's going to throw 11 touchdowns for every two interceptions like he did last year that was incredible um but we don't we don't do that as a fan base right now. It's either he's going to be just like he was last year or he's going to be, you know, Dak Prescott leading the league.
3: Yeah. And and he can, he can take a step back and still be one of the best. Court. That's the thing. Like he was so like his numbers, like these, like you mentioned, like his touchdown percentage, it's going to come down. He's not going to be at that. I don't expect to see him at that high of a touchdown percentage, um, but that doesn't mean that, that it's going to be, like this regression that I think people are, are bringing. He's still playing for Kyle Shanahan. He still has Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and, and just a tremendous offense around him. So he's still going to put up numbers, uh, maybe not quite at that same rate, but, you know, like, like I heard yesterday, I did see where, you know, he was called, the whole dink and dunk thing, and we don't have to get into that, but I'll say like, because somebody asked me this on my show after practice yesterday, like what was the average depth of throw for Brock Purdy and so I went through and, and and read off you know about what I thought the distances were and this is a guy who really is good in that intermediate 10 to 19 yard range and the offensive that they have helped open that up for him yesterday that's where he did his work when he was completing most of his passes that were in that 10 to 15 yard yard range the other thing is we all talk about the lack of arm strength that lack of ability to go deep he doesn't have he's not going to give you Patrick Mahomes arm strength he's not going to give you Josh Allen's arm strength but he's going to make those throws he's going to when that opens up he's going to throw it if it's under a little bit and but against the Brandon Ayuk for a touchdown I don't really care right I don't think anybody should care if it's a if it's a deep throw to Brandon Ayuk it's a 30 yard completion instead of a touchdown we can have a little bit different conversation about that but we haven't we haven't actually seen that yet so um that's that's let it play out. The, the way that he this, the way that he performed last year, from a quarterback perspective, he put pressure on the defense right away because he showed that he can beat the blitz. You can't blitz him because he showed you that he's going to eat you alive. You can't crawl the line of scrimmage because he showed you that he's willing to take the deep shots. You can't sit back deep because he showed you he's going to beat you up front. So it's I, I'm interested to see how teams um, cover you know go up against him. We've talked a lot about you know there's tape on him now teams are going to catch up and my pushback on that is he still has Kyle Shanahan going to play so teams aren't going to catch him
2: there is i've i've talked a lot about that too it's going to be harder for him in year 2 now than it was last year but also there's more tape for Kyle Shanahan to see how teams are playing Brock Purdy and he's going to adjust to that too that's fair the the deep ball stuff i think what 49er fans worry about or I, I shouldn't speak for 49er fans i'll speak for myself what i worry about is Kyle has his quarterbacks set up to where when everything goes the way he thinks it's going to go, they can get it done. Especially Brock. When the guy was open, Brock hit him. Sometimes on the deeper throws, was it a little underthrown? Yes. But he put it on him. They completed it. With Jimmy, some of those passes didn't always get there. Kyle check running wide open down the sideline multiple times. But Brock did that to his credit. But what I worry about is, when it doesn't go right, when your play call isn't perfect, when a player slips or misses a block or whatever, and you need somebody to go above and beyond, to just flat out make a play with their God-given ability, I don't know if Brock has that. I don't think it's there, whereas somebody like Trey Lance does have God-given ability. Doesn't mean he will, but it's in the golf bag, so to speak. That shot is in the golf bag.
3: Uh, and, and when you say that, you're talking about, like, with a deep shot kind of thing, when all kind of when all hell breaks loose kind of thing, a deep or, shot
2: or making or it just legs? a twenty yard just absolute frozen rope to oh. the sideline. That's you know a howitzer, that kind of a thing.
3: Yeah, no, I, I I understand, and I think you're right on that. I he, from from that standpoint, no, I was going to say like you know when when all heck breaks loose and it's just time to make a play. I think we saw Purdy do that a couple of times last season but in terms of being able to, to like scramble out of the pocket throw the ball 30 yards downfield, and and that kind of thing especially if it's like back across the field that's like you're not going to see that i don't he doesn't have that kind of arm strength but if he's scrambling out to his right and there's a guy running down the right sideline you know deep i think he does have the ability to put it out there to him that kind of thing you know the other thing it's, it's funny is because uh the last time the years won the super bowl the offense quarter is mike shanahan
1: mm-hmm. so
3: we've and i i was driving, watching a <laughs> driving and watching videos. You shouldn't be doing that guys. But <laughs> I was, I was Sunday morning. Uh, the somebody tweeted out, I saw a tweet about the 49ers Super Bowl against the uh, the charters popped up. And so I was watching that and Steve Young's first touchdown of the game, right off the bat, Jerry Rice down the middle, right? That's a ball that traveled about 35 yards downfield. That was a deep throw, big play touchdown. That looked very much like what we saw from Brock uh, Brock, to George Kittle against Washington. The one he um, stole. Yes. Yes. It was going to be a tough poor Ray Ray, right? He gets it gets gets taken from him. <laughs> the next touchdown is a throw from, from uh, off of play action from young to uh, Ricky waters, right over the linebackers, a tremendous throw. And that's the play that very similar to what we saw Brock do on Monday when he hit Christian McCaffrey up the seam. right? It's not a deep throw. It's a, it looks like it's deep because it's a vertical type of a route but the ball is only traveling about 25 yards downfield or 20 yards downfield, And I mean, he put it right on the numbers. You can't make that throw any better. Sam Darnold did it a couple of days before to Elijah Mitchell. Um, so I think there's aspects to it. And, and again, I just go back to, to Shanahan and his ability to open things up and then the playmakers around it, make it easier for, for Purdy as well. And, and I'm with you like on the Lance stuff. I agree. I agree with you. Like if, if the play's breaking down and you need a guy to like rifle it, he has the arm to do that. Brock doesn't have that ability. Um, but I think the difference, at least so far for me, between the two, isn't on those types of plays because those are more a little bit more far and few between. It's the down-out, down-out. We're moving the ball. We are picking up first downs. We're consistent and those types of things. That's, that's where the difference was with, with Brock Purdy. And I think that's where it was with Purdy over uh, Garoppolo a little bit last year. I think they were both really efficient, but even Purdy's efficiency was a little bit better and
2: Purdy will throw the ball away, which Jimmy just never threw the, I never saw a quarterback that refused <laughs> to throw the ball away. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. I agree that like Kyle's always going to be able to help his quarterbacks get the ball down the field. What's frustrating from my standpoint is, Hey, you've got this ability in Kyle Shanahan to get these certain things out of every quarterback. So then why not, use that on a guy that also has really good physical tools why do we always have to use it on a guy like a reclamation project for example like sam darnold or somebody in brock birdie who doesn't necessarily have those tools if you use it on trey lance couldn't you get the best
3: of both worlds i i think we we saw you know we got robbed last year right because of the injury against seattle he might have and Kyle Shanahan has said this. He, he could have done all those things. He feels like possibly done all those things that we saw from Brock Hardy as the season went along. Um, you know, he, the, he, he, he might've been able to, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's so much Kyle Shanahan not doing it with him. I think it's that uh, Trey just being inexperienced, not having very many reps and uh, the injuries have really robbed him from becoming the quarterback that the farmers expected him to be. If, if, you know, if if Brock Purdy doesn't step up and play as well as he did last year, the conversation right now is different. Right? It's it's different because you're having you I think there'd be more of a competition. But when you go out and you play at the level that he did, and then you not only do that during the regular season, but then you do it into the postseason. I think the postseason is really what separated. There's a couple of things I think that really separated the two for Kyle Shanahan. One, the Seattle game in Seattle, playing with the ribs, playing with Thursday the nighter. Game. Yeah, and I think you probably heard the interview. If you heard the, the Kawakami interview, uh, Shanahan, when he was talking about that performance, it was like he was like, oh, my God. It was like like he was – it was amazing to him that he was able to perform at that level. And Kyle Shanahan, I think, has a – he likes toughness in his players and he likes a yes. quarterback – toughness at the quarterback position to be able to deal with Kyle Shanahan's baloney <laughs> and then also be able to deal with all the pounding that you get. I think that's where Brock Purdy – that's another thing I think that elevated him that's not a, I mean it's not a knock against Trey but Trey Lance's injuries were more significant finger injury uh, he didn't wasn't I guess was was you know it was definitely an, an issue but you know when you hurt your your lower body like he did against Arizona then obviously the ankle uh, just the inability to play at all uh, that's that's a big deal and this brings up another argument that people have made right well why why is why is Lynch and, and Shanahan saying that you know Trey needs to stay healthy when when Purdy was injured well the difference was that Purdy played through his first injury right and he played in the game and they won the NFC championship that's why i think that the discussion's a little bit different i get the i get the i get the question but i think when you look at the the fact that Purdy played through the injury to help them win the NFC uh, NFC West i think that's one of those things that for them it's a little bit of a it's a differentiator more for them than uh, the general person watching the team
2: yes but also like if Trey's ankle is pointed in the wrong direction, like that's not something you can play through, you know? Absolutely. The nature of the injury can often determine that. Like, I think if if it was a pain tolerance thing, I think Trey probably would have been in there, or at least he would have tried. But sometimes you just, you're not, your body parts are not going to function normally to be able to play. And unfortunately for Trey, he's had those types of injuries, whereas Brock had the, the broken ribs, which that story, by the way, Broken rib. We're just finding out now. I always say when people feel safe, they reveal the truth. Now that we're a year removed, we find out, oh, he actually has broken ribs. It's not just like a little owie. And uh, he couldn't even throw... Right before the Seattle game, Kyle said, if you didn't hear the interview, he said, basically, even after he got the the pain injection, the the, the numbing agent in the ribs, he still couldn't throw right away. So Kyle didn't know who his quarterback was going to be.
3: Right. And, you know, and you're you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, when you want to talk about if you want to talk about a quarterback playing through injury, then it's it's not fair to not say that about Lance when it comes to the finger, because he did play throughout the 2021 season uh, with a finger injury um and and that was, and he stuck with it, And we all saw what he did in week seventeen against Houston.
2: Ah, uh, the Houston game. Let me tell you, I have watched the Trey Lance highlights. I've seen every throw Trey Lance has made like fifty times. He only has two hundred and sixty two snaps in his forty nine ers career. Brock Purdy had almost as many dropback passes last year. Like that just tells you the difference in experience from those guys. But here we are. It's going to be interesting because Pittsburgh's right there in week one. And Tim Kawakami said this offseason and after the Niners lost to the Bears, there was, quote, tension in the locker room regarding the quarterback situation, even though it was a monsoon, right? Because Jimmy was there and it's a Super Bowl window and blah, 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 blah. Well, here we are. Same scenario, same Super Bowl window. Week one, Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. Incredible defense. If Brock starts and loses that game,
3: is there that same tension? That's that's a, a good question to ask. I mean, I don't know. I was in the locker room in Chicago after the game, and, and there was frustration. I don't know if it was frustration. You know, I don't know if it was so much the tension towards the quarterback as it just was the fact that that was a game that there's no reason for them to lose. And they, they you know, Trey had some bad plays, but it wasn't all Trey. There was, you know, there was a, you know, he had the miss and whatever. But you also have the Debo Samuel fumble, and you have, you know, some broke some breakdowns in, in terms of the, the defense that led the points for Chicago. It's that was a that was a total team loss. That's what I wrote after the after the game. I felt like that was a total team failure. And if that was if if there was tension in the locker room because of the quarterbacks, I just think that was mis, misguided. And, and I think that uh, if Brock if Trey Lance doesn't get hurt against Seattle, they win that game and Trey Lance, I think, continues to <laughs> ascend. So, I'm not going to, you know, I don't, I'm not, this isn't anything towards what, what comic, what road, but uh, the tension thing, I think it's overplayed a little bit there. I think that was always going to be the regardless, just because once Jimmy Garoppolo was brought back, it was like, Oh, Oh, what's, what are they doing? They don't believe in Trey, which I, I think, I think that was anybody who felt like they brought back Jimmy Garoppolo because they didn't bring, believe in Trey wasn't really paying attention to the whole off season.
2: Oh, okay. Cause I was one of those people. Big time um, yeah. to me, I think it was absolutely a hedge against Trey. And that's why, like when they, you know, I know the narrative they've tried to say is, hey, we were prepared to go the whole season, with Trey. I don't buy it for a second. If they're three and five with Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo is there, there's no way they don't go to Jimmy
3: Garoppolo. The calls for Jimmy would be coming from inside the house. No, I agree with you on that. I do agree. Well, whoever the backup quarterback is at that point, whether it is Garoppolo or Lance. So yeah, from that standpoint, I I get you. But it was going to have, it would take them to get to that point before they were going to make a move. It wasn't, that's why I say like the tension in the building after week one. uh, No, I think that would have been more along like week three, four, five, six, you know, down the road. Like what you said, three and five, that that would make sense regardless of, regardless of whether it was Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy or whoever your backup quarterback was at that point. At that point, that's when you start to look at it and you're scratching your head wondering what what the heck's going on here.
2: And they kind of avoided, I mean, I don't want to say avoided, but Trey's injury took that out of play, obviously. Like it avoided that potential scenario of what would have happened, even if they were 500 or it, that could have been a very, very dicey thing for them to have to handle. And they ultimately didn't have to go down that road because of what happened.
3: Yeah, and for me, like for me, I think, I, I think my experience in 2021 of watching them go through the process in 2021 with, with Garoppolo um, kind of was why I felt the way that I did. It was like, they're going to give Lance the, the rope to, to, to make it happen, right? Um, they're not going to jump on him right away because that's what they, you know, like like in 2021, it was Garoppolo's team. And if if Garoppolo had lost when they were three and five, if they had lost that next game and fallen to three and six, I feel like Garoppolo's out, Lance is in at that point. But they won, then they went on a roll. And I think <laughs> I, I, I think that would, that's a similar situation would have played out um, last year with Trey Lance, if you know what I'm saying. Make, I hope I'm making sense.
2: Yes. The, I mean, the, just the trees, the, the, like, what is it, the uh, variants, the parallel universes that could have happened with this 49ers team are just absolutely unbelievable of all – so many things. One little thing goes different. It could be in a totally different situation. But this is where we are, and uh, we'll ride it out. And like you said, those joint practices coming up with the Raiders are going to be must-watch, and I can't wait for it. It's why you need to like and subscribe to the Inside the 49ers YouTube channel with Jack Hammer. Like and subscribe to the Gold Standard Podcast YouTube channel as well. Jack, I've taken up a bunch of your time, but really quick before we go, I have to ask, is Jake Moody's leg as good as I keep hearing about? Because all I keep seeing is he's banging 60-yarders at camp.
3: Yeah, it is. It is. There's, you know, Zane Gonzalez. there's a difference between when you watch him kick the ball and Zane Gonzalez. It's hard to, it's hard for uh, the folks at training camp to hear it because of the, the volume of the uh, the sound that they're putting out with the, the music. Um, but there's a, there's a difference in the thud between when he kicks the ball and when, when Zane Gonzalez kicks it. I mean, he hit one yesterday. I think it was out of the, out of the practice facility from about 50 yards away. Um, <laughs> it was, it, it was just, you know, it went over the fence and it was a, it was a bomb. He, he's got a huge leg. He's going to help them out. I think with, with the, the, the distance of the field goals. Um, the other thing that where people, you know, the new rule, as far as downing the ball, being able to basically fair catch it and get the ball in the 20, that type of thing. He's got a strong enough leg where he can kick the ball to the moon and land that thing on the five yard line. And, uh, if, if that plays out where that's happening often, and you see the Flyers defense, take the field with the ball at the, you know, at the, opponents 20 or 25, that's huge because that their kickoff coverage team hasn't been very good, to put it mildly. Um, and so if we can – if if they can do that, if we see them do that and, and they're starting in that field position, I think this defense will benefit the defense and in turn it's going to benefit the offense with better field position. Third-round
2: kickers, baby. I'm here for it. What the hell? <laughs> they needed a kicker. He's got to be good. I mean, I'll say that. And Pittsburgh in week one is no fun because I've heard it's very difficult to kick there. But – so far so good at least i could be happy about it for now jack again thank you so much uh, this is like no notice and you were able to join me today so i really really appreciate all your time
3: absolutely man i like i said i enjoy watching you i, I enjoy you getting me frustrated on twitter um, <laughs> I, and i know it's all good uh and i was i was wanting to talk to you for a long time and the opportunity came up and i was like i gotta i gotta jump on this one i gotta talk to this guy Yeah. Well, thank you
2: very much. I hope we can do it again. And thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. And uh, enjoy practice again tomorrow. We'll talk to you soon.